Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today from New York, the host of the new series, Origin, The Journey of Humankind, airing Mondays on National Geographic. Jason Silva, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me on your show. How are you, my friend? I'm great, thanks. The, the show covers the full timeline and scope of human existence, and we only have so much time to talk about it, so I want to get right into it. But first, I do want to do a little bit on you. I've noticed you described yourself as a wonder junkie. It's a Carl Sagan term. Carl okay. Sagan coined that term in his book, Contact, when he was describing the Ellie Arroway or Jodie Foster character from that book and then movie. Um, a wonder junkie, I, I just fell in love with the term. It's just somebody who lives their life with insatiable curiosity and a hunger for meaning and for wonder. And, and I just thought, okay, that kind of, that describes me. <laughs> so I took it. I like that. I don't know if I'm a wonder junkie, but I'm definitely a big fan of it. I think in a lot of ways it's the whole point of wh- why life is worth living. And yes. I, I wonder what you think about, I, I feel like in certain ways the digital world that we live in now, the digital age, is hostile to wonder. I love my phone. I'm I'm looking at you on FaceTime right now, but I've never right. gotten wonder from Twitter. I've never gotten wonder from YouTube. I think it depends on who you follow. There is a YouTube channel called The Nerd Writer, Evan Pushak's channel. He does his video essays about culture and cinema and art and they are like crack for the thinking mind. I mean, if you are into wonder and awe, you got to check out his stuff. My YouTube channel, Shots of Awe, are mm. precisely that, like little pill-sized, you know, three-minute monologues about creativity, existentialism, philosophy. I mean, I think, you know, the, the medium sometimes is the message, but sometimes the message informs the medium. <laughs> so I, I try to take advantage of whatever formats are available to me to disseminate a sense of wonder and awe. Also, I've read some articles that say that people tend to share stuff that either A, frightens them, or B, inspires them and fills them with wonder. So my strategy has been to try to inspire them and fill them with wonder and hope hope that they share that. These days, my Twitter timeline is mainly people sharing anger. Yeah, I mean, if it bleeds, it leads. And yeah, my Facebook is also colonized by political, political articles. But I, I I don't know. Stuart Brand said science is the only news, and the rest is the same he says, she says, <laughs> that we're all so tired of listening to. So I try to pay attention to what's going on in science, in technology, the kind of progress that we're making as a species, and try to find the positive whenever I can, you know? So the progress of the species, you've done an entire series now about yeah. ab- about how humankind got from the very beginning to where we are now. Do you feel like that has given you any insight or theories into where we are headed as a species? Definitely. I mean, I think that the human trajectory is one of constantly overcoming boundaries, redrawing our maps of the possible from, you know, early hominids crawling the savannas of Africa to human beings, you know, flying on airplanes powered by controlled explosions, (laughs) or even you and I having a conversation right now that 
amber case the cyborg anthropologist would call a techno-social wormhole. We're folding time and space so that our minds can share their thoughts with one another without limitation. I mean, it is a world of miracles where we have seemingly engendered miraculous engineering that we take for granted. And this has... This is the human story. We're the tool-making animal. And for every tool that we make, that tool makes us in return. And and that's what Origins is really about. So the first tool, I guess you would call it, um, that you cover on the show, the first episode, which I watched last night and enjoyed, uh, is is Fire. Correct. That one is very inspiring to me. So, you know, there's a book called Cooking Made Us Human, and this mm-hmm. is the example I love to use. People don't realize that cooking essentially is responsible for everything else that came after. When we could cook food for the first time, we could make every meal more absorbable, more energy-dense, more bioavailable. What does that mean? It means we stay full for longer. Before that, all day was spent chewing. Yeah, that was one of my big takeaways from the episode. How much time did people spend chewing in prehistoric times? We're hunting or chewing. I mean, that was pretty much it, you know? (laughs) Five hours Um, a day, I think is what they said. Yeah, yeah. And so once you can cook, it's like you have now a couple of hours to digest your food and daydream. And then arts, crafts, and culture came from that leisure that we never had before. And what is cooking? Well, Kevin Kelly calls it an artificial prosthetic organ, an external stomach that pre-digests our food. And that's another thing I'm really interested in, the symbiotic relationship with technology, that technology is physiologically intertwined with who we are. Like, that's like what we are, the tool-making animal. And technology is and has always been our second skin and our exoskeleton. Um, Would you agree or disagree with the statement that man became not an animal with the discovery and utilization of fire. Very much so. Very much so. And I think also the origin of language could be considered a, a contender there, like as a as a technological singularity, like a, a draw line in the sand. And it's like on the early side of that is a creature governed by instinct living in the deep now. And on the other side of that line is a creature that can conceive and construct future scenarios and then make decisions to actualize those scenarios. You can't have that without language, without a symbolic construct that allows you to create virtual realities in your heads. So, I mean, that could be one too. Do you, I wonder, uh, to what extent would you consider the fact there are still primitive tribes living in, you know, the Amazon, for example? Yeah. How similar or or, or in what ways are they dissimilar from pre, 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 I mean, prehistoric man covers, prehistory only covers a couple thousand, there's only a couple thousand years of history. So prehistory is a big, big, big term. Totally. Well, I think the, the the ones that are, whether it's in Papua New Guinea or in parts of Peru or Brazil, I mean, if, if they've really been untouched by Western man, so to speak, then I'm sure in many ways they have a lot of traditions that they've had for thousands of years. I mean, they, they have a different relationship with the land. There's an animism kind of relationship. You know, the trees are alive. Um, everything's alive. Yeah, God, they, God, they, God, God, think, God is incarnate in nature. Yeah, and I think they have an, also an understanding of cybernetics, right? Like they, they, that divine relationship with nature, often mediated by psychedelic rituals and shamanism, is that the plants are there to take care of us and the food is there to nourish us. And they thank the gods of nature for the feedback loops that govern our existence. And I think there is an understanding of the interconnection between humans and nature, and that's very wise. Of course, they also have all kinds of practices that would be considered that would be considered backwards and savage, so it just kind of depends. You know, you got to pick and choose what works and what doesn't. So the episode on fire covers not just fire in and of itself, but fire as has been utilized by man, and I guess I never thought of it in, in these terms. 
without fire, there is no metal, and metal is, you know, awesome. I know enough about history to know that when they talk about the Bronze Age, you're talking about a new thing. Yeah, yeah, we talk about that in the show, right? That when we once we could like heat up metals and melt metals and build, you know, that's like the the Bronze Age and 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 you know the 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 knight in shining armor and the sword. I mean, it's it's all these these transformative things that that came from us domesticating heat. Do you have a personal favorite episode of the series? Uh, I would say the the language one is compelling to me because okay, how so? I mean now we take the internet for granted this global network of minds tethered together by bitstreams of data I mean holy shit at the same time though like the first wireless technology was language spoken word I mean it's a symbolic construct that encodes the contents of one's mind converts them into bits of auditory vibrations sends it wirelessly from mind to mind. I mean, the first wireless technology is spoken word. That is kind of amazing. Um, so that's one's really interesting to me. The money episode also. Right. I we, wanted to ask you about that because modern, yeah. mo- I, I'm not too proud to say that modern economics are beyond my comprehension. It's absolutely baffling to me how you go from, a, I think we can all understand the if we had, we could agree upon a unit so we can trade stuff, yeah. but where, yeah. where it goes seems almost illogical to me. Same here. I don't really understand modern finance. I'm a big fan of uh, Yoval Harari, the writer of Sapiens. Um, and he has this great speech where he basically says that our capacity to create shared cons- shared constructions, shared mental constructions, shared consensus, shared virtual realities like culture, like language, um, are what allow us to collaborate and, and work together to build structures in the world that don't have immediate gratification to our basic needs. And that that capacity to imagine, to collectively hallucinate reality, is responsible for our greatest achievements. And money is an example of that. Money is a mental revolution. Money requires consensus and a shared belief in in a unit of value. You have other species that have simple trade. You know, a chimp might trade you a banana for a coconut, but they're not going to trade you a banana for a piece of paper, no matter how much you tell them that piece of paper is worth. So attaching symbolic value, attaching... Uh, potential value to that, which is, I'll give you this paper now, but trust me, the guy in the next village will give you all the coconuts you want for this piece of paper. Right. And that requires such a hand-holding. Like, everybody's got to be in on it or it doesn't work. Right, right. And it's like we say- we kind of amazing. We say cash is king to the monkey, the banana's cash. Exactly. Cash, exactly. Is, cash is credit. I, yes. I'm curious, but we're talking, by the way, to Jason Silva, the host of Origin, The Journey of Humankind, airing Mondays on National Geographic, 9, 8 Central. Um, can I ask you about your own personal spirituality and how, how does that inform the kind of work that you do and uh, how does your work inform your personal spirituality? Um, I would identify as secular primarily but with a deep interest and hunger for the metaphysical dimension of human experience. Right. Altered states of consciousness are very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I don't abide by any traditional religious construct. I don't take the literal explanations of any creed as reassurance against the terror of mortality. But I have had terrifying. experience. Yes. But I have had experiences while under altered states of consciousness that uh, I would describe as visionary encounters with the numinous, or what Otto Rank calls the mysterium tremendum e fascinosum. Yeah, so the I know what it's dread. like. 
Yeah, well, with the numinous dread, but sometimes the numinous awe, you know, and, and sometimes that's lying down and staring at the stars when I'm somewhere where I can actually see the stars. Um, sometimes that is losing myself in a pop song or in a film, having some kind of intersubjective rapture where I move beside, beyond, my, beyond myself and beyond my inner chatter, and I connect with something that feels larger than myself. Uh, it doesn't last. It's not stable. It's a glimpse. And no, it doesn't get rid of the fear or dread of the unknown or meaninglessness so I, I'm still secular I'm just I'm just hungry well what do you think about this because I, I, I've been thinking about this quite a bit recently why from an evolution point of view would we have evolved to be able to experience and revel in wonder in a connection with something that feels bigger than ourselves what how does that help us perpetuate our species yeah, very interesting. I mean, I think that there, there was a theory once about why we experience awe and our sense of the sense of meaning that comes with feeling connected to something larger than ourselves, and that's because it gives us a sense of self-importance that makes us work harder to survive by having a, a, a fluke in our neurological matrix that mm-hmm. tells us that we matter. That story that we tell ourselves about ourselves (laughs) Uh is actually evolutionarily advantageous. It makes us do altruistic acts sometimes. Right, right. If we we realize that we don't matter, we might stop working so hard to perpetuate the species. Well, I'll give you an example. When that story that you tell yourself about yourself fades or fails, that's the beginning of a nervous breakdown. That's the beginning of a uh, of a crisis of meaning. Well, we're all running a narrative. We're all running a fiction. You know, Ernest Becker, who wrote The Denial of Death, says character is a vital lie, a story we tell ourselves about ourselves that is necessary. Man cannot live without a continuous belief there's something indestructible within himself. And if you want to know what happens when that story fails, look at the epidemic of anxiety and depression that is afflicting our society. United Nations published a study that said more people commit suicide now every year than die from armed conflict and natural disasters combined. 800,000 people a year are killing themselves because they think that life has no meaning and there is no purpose. Now, we used to address that dread with religion, and some people still do, but for those of us for whom religion is not convincing, we turn our lovers into gods and goddesses. It's called the romantic solution to the problem of death. Whether it's worshipping celebrities or worshipping that girl with a twinkle in her eye, she's like the wind, she's my salvation, she's the sun. She reinforces the story I tell myself about myself. And then, if if that fails, because no relationship can bear the burden of godhood, then you have the creative solution to the problem of death, which is, I'm going to do something important that makes the world better. They'll make a building after me. They'll put a statue after me. I'm going to help a billion people. I'm going to go out there and make a change in the world. I'm going to make a dent. And then that is a reason to get up in the morning. Right. But something something larger than of- yourself. Yes. If you don't have any of those three, if you don't have the religious solution, the romantic solution, or the creative solution, you're in trouble. And I think the crisis of meaning that we have today from a society that largely turns people into automatons, into robots sitting on terminals with no real reason for what they're, why they're doing what they're doing, and realizing that their likes on Instagram and their followers on Facebook are not satiating their hunger for meaning, and that they can't buy themselves into bliss by purchasing things that they don't need, this is leading to a crisis of consciousness. I, I really do believe that's why so many people are killing themselves. Right. And so I think so where, hunger where, for meaning right. they won't leave where would you expect to to go from here? I'm a big fan of uh, of Joseph Campbell. Me too. Okay, my hero. Yes. Okay, great, great. Thank you. So, 
so I listen to the closest thing that I have to a religion personally is I got a set yes. of five or six cassettes from PBS when I was a teenager of his Bill lectures. Moyers, the Bill Moyers. No, no, interviews? no. Actually, not the okay. Bill Moyers TV show. These were these were okay. uh, audio tapes. These were lectures that he did probably in like the '60s. They sound pretty old. Yeah, yeah. And I I listened to these over and over when I went before I went to sleep every night for years. This is a, I don't wow. I, I'm not Good even work. sure why it speaks to me so deeply. I can't get through. Oh, hear- because 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 you're an intellectual, bro. No, that no, no, guy no. marries religion, <laughs> yeah. faith, miss you know mythology. With I mean I I think he is a poet. You know if you t- you take you take Carl Sagan, you take Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. you put them together in a room, you have them ask each other the questions they've been asking themselves. That's my dream right there. That sounds like, pretty I good. I love Joseph Campbell, but I, I can't get him. I can't get through his books. I'm not bright enough to I've tr- I've tried to read the books. And, the and books are more complex. They're he's a lot better more speaking. complex. Yeah, he's, I, he's better at speaking. Yeah. I love I love them. I love these lectures, and I think they spoke to me as someone. I was raised uh, Catholic, and my family is still very Catholic, and it works very very well for them, and they're active in the church. But his his starting point for these lectures was okay. So for thousands of years, we had these myths, and they were great. Yeah. But now they've all been exploded. So where do we yeah. go from here? And right. these lectures happened fifty years ago, and factually, yeah. the myths remain if anything, more exploded than they were in his time, and yet we have this stubborn persistence of the traditional religions. And stubborn sounds like a pejorative kind of thing. I don't necessarily mean it that way. It's it's a surprising stubbornness, though, that the evidence... Ha- I understand why people... Before you found the dinosaurs, it was a lot easier to believe in Adam and Eve, but we got the bones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think I think that Adam and Eve is is, is more of a metaphor for... Are, are coming into awareness of our animality. Like we lived in the blissful present. We were naked and unashamed. And the tree of knowledge maybe was a psychedelic that made us aware. And that awareness, the punishment of which was that you fall out of heaven and into mortality. But it's a metaphor. It's a beautiful, wonderful metaphor, you know, um, which I think Apple Computer has borrowed brilliantly. Like, Eat from the tree of knowledge, but don't use it to create more dread in your life. Use it to be a Promethean and steal the fire from the gods. <laughs> so that's not the first uh, 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 drug reference that you've made today. What, what, are you, what do you get up to? Uh, personally, I've experimented mm-hmm. with cannabis. Cannabis mm-hmm. is probably the intoxicant like Carl Sagan that I think is uh, has been um, instrumental in past experiences for me, for mystical type experiences of, of just cathartic understanding you might call it um but i think to each his own look i I, what i'm really interested in is employing these techniques of ecstasy as eliada used to call them um in proper contexts and proper set and settings to act as microscopes for psychiatry Mm -hmm. stanislav groff said that lsd and other psychedelics potentially could be microscopes for psychiatry to do for psychiatry what the telescope did for understanding of the universe and Johns Hopkins University and YU, Imperial College of London, are all now doing insane studies with people with anxiety and depression, putting them in a room in a controlled environment with a psychiatrist, with guides, and basically giving people the trip of their life. And guess what? It will cure their existential malaise. Somehow, having a dance with the divine, licking the moon, whatever the frick, however you interpret what's happening, with the right cognitive frameworks... It cures you of your existential dread. No more Xanax for you. You've seen the light, you know? And if we can turn our passing illuminations into abiding light, instead of getting hooked on the state, we can raise the stage, as Jamie Wheel says, then therein lies our solution and our salvation.
That's deep. Thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to run through a couple of the episodes. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest uh, of them. But uh, let's see. Tell me about uh, 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 medicine. So the medicine one is the, the human the human journey, the creative ability over time to solve medical problems, you know, to go from where we were placating the gods with human sacrifices and allowing people to die youthful because of simple illnesses all the way to the discovery of the microscope and bacteria and viruses and staving off death, essentially. It's a, it's a great one. It's the story of medicine. And uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, sh- shelter. That's shelter, always, that's, yeah. It's always shelter, been an interesting one to me. It's a, it's the most underrated of the human needs. I know, but it's huge. Think about architecture. Architecture architects the mind. Outer spaces shape inner spaces. Our thoughts shape our spaces. Our spaces return the favor. So whether it's a Gothic cathedral helping you connect with an altered state of consciousness, whether it's a thinking room, whether it's basic shelter to protect you from the elements, we civilized ourselves and shaped our mindware, I believe, through the architecting of external spaces, through appropriating the external landscape and making it a reflection of our inner landscape. It's a, it's a form of mental engineering. It's called ontological design. The sh- how external design, how designed environments have a cognitive impact, the cognitive effects of built environments, basically. And that's what the shelter one is, the story of that. You're talking about the big questions, but you're on a, a television show. It only has so many episodes. It only lasts so many minutes. Yeah. It is possible sometimes. I'm sure you need to simplify concepts to make them television ready. Do you ever? Feel, did you ever feel like you were in danger of oversimplifying any concept to the point of where you were actually obscuring uh, what it is? Hopefully not obscuring. You know, I like to think of the metaphor as of, of video codec compression on the Internet. So when you watch a video on the Internet, there's a lot of pixels that are missing, but pixels that your brain won't notice. But nonetheless, we have to find, you know, some kind of compression that's hopefully a lossless compression that nonetheless allows us to shrink the size of an image to send it through the Internet. Same thing. You're trying to fit hundreds of thousands of years of human history into eight 45-minute episodes, we're going to have to get rid of some pixels. Right. But hopefully it's lossless compression. Hopefully you still get a, g- a g- gist, you get a sense that's that's somewhat uh, powerful and has gravitas of the human story. I At think, least a little bit, enough to dig deeper. I think the reenactments are, are very helpful toward that end. I was a little skeptical when I heard that, there would, that there would be yeah. some dramatic reenactments of, you know, the discovery of fire or whatever, but sure, you, sure. It, 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 it places you there and uh, they were a little bit more grisly than I expected. Yeah, they shot for 75 days in South Africa. I mean, they really went all out to make those recreations not cheesy. They're not. And I think they did a good job at making them, like, cinematic and real and immersive and, like, you're there. So. Right. So what sort of feedback are you getting from this series? And what Great what, feedback. And what, what, what takeaways do you want people to have from this? If you could, if you could mean, influence think, the way the world thinks a little bit, what, yeah, would, you, yeah, yeah, what yeah. would you do? I, I want them to come out of it thinking about Marshall McLuhan. We build the tools and the tools build us. Right. Realizing that, 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 that us and our tools are one. You know, that this tinkering with nature idea, this Luddite idea that, that technology is bad is, is erroneous. Like, to, to be human is to incorporate non-biological props and scaffoldings into the architecture of mind. Mm-hmm. So to realize that we've had a historical precedence for this, that we've been m- employing tools that then employ us throughout our history is very important to me. That when people think about life, they don't just think about the DNA molecule, they think about the feedback loop. Mm-hmm. That's what I want people to get out of it. Okay, so you're not afraid of living in a society of cyborgs? Which no, is I which think is we've, a, been, we've been cyborgs for a very long time. <laughs> How is that? 
Uh, I think that the work of Andy Clark and Stephen Chalmers, they're cognitive philosophers. They wrote an essay on the internet called The Extended Mind Thesis, and the key idea is that we are that what we call human intelligence as we know it today is distributed between biological and non-biological parts. That when I employ my phone, part of my thinking is happening on my phone. When I write things down and then reflect upon what I've written and then that changes my thought, there's a constant feedback loop. The mind spills over beyond the brain. It's mind, it's tools, and it's environment. It's brains, tools, and environments that lead to mind. That's the idea. Well, that's great. We have to get over our biological skin bag, as they say. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Easier said than done. Of course. Um, well, that's that's all the questions that I have. I really appreciate you uh, spending uh, some time talking through some of this stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was fun to talk to you. I mean, it sounds like you're into all these ideas, so I appreciate that, man. I love this stuff, and I don't know why. I, I feel like in certain ways... Um, used to be nerdy to be a nerd and now it's cool to be nerdy but i feel like this is kind of the next frontier about this that i I can remember feeling like if i was you know almost like the like the kid who like is afraid of his friends is going to find out he's gay or something like when you're in high school or something and you're like thinking about i remember actually my wife actually i I brought up some like big question to her and she was just like you know i've thought about that stuff but i've never really felt comfortable bringing it up i thought people would make fun of me and it's yeah. the whole it's like it's the whole point of what we're doing it's the best part if you like psychedelic drugs that's that's why they're good is because yeah, of the big, I mean, the big I, issues I think, I think i think we need to be able to ask questions and probe each other's minds i want to know what makes you cry i want to know what you're afraid of i want to know it all you know and then we need to make people feel safe in in being vulnerable yeah, yeah you must so. be a pretty exciting person to go out with <laughs> try uh, well thanks again and uh, best of luck with the show and everything else that you do you, uh, Jason Silva the series is called Origin the Journey of Humankind it airs Mondays on National Geographic and your website is thisisjasonsilva.com correct yeah and Facebook is the best place to find me okay great thanks a lot thank you my friend cheers you are listening to The Tully Show on Faction Talk more to come with Jude Angelini after this Jude Angelini, the author of Hyena and the host of the All Out Show on Sirius XM's Shade 45 channel, makes his return to the show. Jude, how are you? Fucking awesome. I don't believe you're telling the truth. <laughs> I don't want to bump people out. I had a, I, I've been shitting water for the last few days. Fucking sucks. You got done dirty by the French. Yeah. The, uh, I... I'm guessing it was Mexican dudes in the back, but yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> right. we, we are in L.A. Uh, yeah. Yeah, make no mistake. It makes no difference what nationality is on the front of the restaurant. This, it's definitely the, the people of a single origin in the yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, Mexican or Guatemalan or some shit like that. Yeah, they, they did me wrong. I went, to, I went to some old school French restaurant. Tight. Tikes. I've never been totally clear on how to pronounce that. Tikes. I don't even like going there because I can't pronounce the shit. It's T A I X. That ain't Tikes. a word. Tay. I took French in high school. Yeah, is it? Yeah, that, I never heard that one. Fucking yeah. yeah, we were high walking down the street. My boy wanted a burger. We rolled up in there, and then uh, next day I'm shitting water, puking. I wanted to talk to you about words. Actually, um, you're familiar with the Oxford English Dictionary, right? Yes. Um, and they have gotten very good at getting themselves in the news because of uh, every year they do their every year they do their word of the year pander, and it's always like 
selfie or yeah bay or yeah i don't know why people still fall for these things crayola was a legitimate part of the news cycle for all of last week because they announced that they were going to remove one of their classic colors what color oh god i'm curious i I, I, you know i won't google it you can easily find that out because it was because it was trending on twitter like three separate days it was trending they announced that they were gonna make an announcement about removing a crayon i believe it was something yellow okay and then they made the uh, the day that they announced which one it was that was coming out of the classic crayola box and then i think there was a subsequent announcement or maybe the world is still waiting on this announcement with bated breath uh, for the replacement color and i don't blame crayola for trying to get publicity for themselves i blame the world for for giving a fuck taking an interest in this is a whole uh, uh other thing that i've been belaboring this point on the jason ellis show everybody just wants to be a child nowadays yeah dude i got a real problem with that thank you everybody thinks that mike catherwood kind of agrees with me everybody else has just been because i went to i went to okay i'm gonna do it again i went to disneyland and i am not exaggerating one third, thirty three percent of the adults at Disneyland were wearing Disney themed clothes. They probably didn't even have a kid with them. No, no. What there was, and half of those were couples who were wearing like he's a Mickey and she's a Minnie. Dog. It's yeah, like uh, there's. I see the chicks with the Hello Kitty cars, and I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. dude, you are thirty seven years old. <laughs> My wife is. Thoroughly Hello Kitty'd out, so I'm gonna do, I'm gonna plead the fifth on I'm that. I'm gonna one. give her a pass. She's Japanese <laughs> she and is. shit. Yes, that's but like yo, uh, it, that fucking kills me. That's, that's well, it's a cartoon, it, dude. Exactly, it has nothing to offer you other than nostalgia for when you were a tiny little person who didn't have any real responsibilities in the world. And what people will say, what uh, Will Pendarvis for one has said to me is, you know, oh, I'm sorry that the 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 that fun is dead inside for you and i would just argue that our problem is that we think the only fun that exists is child fun do a crossword puzzle or some shit there, like that you have fun you yeah. have fun by doing drugs i don't have to fucking that's an adult pleasure yeah i don't got to fucking i don't got to like uh, yo did i ever tell you this so i i got i got i got caught up like that one time i'm like oh man i'm I, I was reminiscing on G.I. Joe's and uh I've been guilty of that is taking that same nostalgic trip. So I so I I bought two G.I. Joe's and the, the and figures. Uh, yeah, the two action <laughs> figures. <laughs> you know what I'm constantly trying to edge my kid into buying figures and he doesn't he's like he likes them but not any more or less than anything else. And I'm like it's the fucking best ones. You get all the figures, and then you fucking you go find a little dirt mound, and you fucking well, do it, man. Then you make them wrestle and yeah, shit. Right. So like everybody I, bangs Lady Jane. Come on, what are you doing, man? So I decided that I'm a fucking I'm gonna make them wrestle, and I was like, well, I gotta go on an airplane pretty soon. So I was like, I'll just bring them on the plane and make them bitches wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what would you be about uh, about about nine, ten years old? This is this is uh, probably like I want to say thirty two. <laughs> So I'm on a plane and shit, and there's a woman sitting next to me, and like we take off, and I, I flip down the little, I flip down the little, uh, the, the tray, yeah, and I break, tray. Out, I break out my GI Joes, and I start making them bitches wrestle, uh-huh. 
And one, it was mad boring. I was like, this shit is way, this shit is not as much fun as it used to be as a child. And, surprise, surprise. And then two, the woman next to me was completely <laughs> bummed out. She was, she was, she, she, she was really creeped out by the whole she ordeal. She would rather have been sitting next to somebody reading the Koran. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a porn at the same time. <laughs> but like that, and I think, I think it's more acceptable for women to behave like fucking uh, children than, know, than men. Women definitely get to have it both ways in that um, they uh, res- reserve the right to act like children, but also uh, are more inclined to bristle if you uh, accuse them of being anything less than fully adult on the level of a man. Like, a, like if I called my mom mommy... Like, that would bum people out. Like, oh, uh, what's up, mommy? Let me talk to my mommy. But, like, chicks be calling their dad's daddy all the fucking time. It's I like, know. grow the fuck up, mm-hmm. you fucking weird bitch. Yeah. Play backgammon. <laughs> like an adult. That's what the fuck I do. I play I backgammon I with 60-year-olds. <laughs> like a man. Yeah, look, I have fun. You know? I, know, I do, too. That's the thing. I do, too. I, I feel like I I'm, I was trying to think because I was trying to think of my rebuttal to that. I'm like, I still have fun just because I don't p- party like a kid just because going to Disneyland isn't my idea of an ideal day. And I'm like, well, what do I do for fun? And I just come back to drugs. Well, I, I make mixtapes. I really I've been enjoying making mixtapes mm-hmm. on my little cassette deck. Yeah, I play you know. backgammon. I that's go like, for walks. At least, that's at least teenager level fun. Yeah, it is. Mixtapes. And but look, man, mixtapes is a mixtapes is like problem solving. You're trying to figure out what's the best flow, mm-hmm. what song goes with the next song. I mean, are you putting things on cassette? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you got to worry about running time. First, you got to worry about where the fuck do I buy cassettes in 2017? I just got. I just bought 60 off of eBay. They're they're sitting at the desk right now. I got them for a buck a piece. Are they, these are recently manufactured. No, dude, they're dead stock from the 90s. I get. I find these dead stock cassettes from the '90s and make mixtapes. And you know what? The I reason I want to date you. The, well, <laughs> you know the, the here was the here was the the reason be, behind this was my fucking my my computer broke uh, in my bedroom, and that that's what I would I would run a playlist off there and smash to it. And I'm so inept as far as like computers go that it was just easier for me to buy cassette tapes and make fucking mixtapes because i had a cassette player and, and albums i uh this is embarrassing for me to admit i made a mixtape for a girl one time and uh and i noticed after i put it together that there were like a lot of like love songs on it and in the note that i sent her I actually made the point. These are just really, really great songs. <laughs> I don't want you to don't get the wrong. I don't idea. want you to read a whole lot into the it's, contents of this. It's kind of weird, man. I remember one time. Uh, you don't you don't realize how fucking intimate mixtapes are to certain people. Like to me, it's like, yeah, hey, hey, I'll give you a fuck. I'll make you a mix CD. Like, but I remember uh, Christian Hand. I I had offered to make one for his girl. Uh, he, he was dating at the time. Oh, that it's like it's like the uh, the Pulp Fiction foot rub. Yeah, it was like I didn't even realize she was like she was a musician. I'm like, hey, you know this, you know this person, you know mm-hmm. this person. You, it was a the love the way you lie, girl. The Eminem, Eminem, love the yeah, way yeah, you yeah, lie. Skylar Gray. It was right. Skylar Gray. I didn't. This was before she blew up, and she was like, yeah, I'm a musician. When I'm, I, I start name dropping like dope groups, and she didn't know any of them so i'm like oh i'll make you a mixtape and it was literally like i put my dick on her leg like christian gave me this look like nah 
And I was like, okay, nah. So you never gave her the... Nah, bro. Like, Isn't that even more awkward? Look, man, I wasn't going to push it. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't going to push that shit. Like, uh, and he never mentioned nothing to me. And But, like, the vibe that the vibe that I got from just mentioning making a mixtape. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm good. It's like you hugged his girlfriend a second too long. Yeah. 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 And, like, and that's, especially when you're not trying to do that, that's the last thing that you want, to, that, like... It'd be one thing if I was really scheming on your girl and like I got caught like oh, actually busted. trying to fuck his girlfriend yeah. by making her mixtapes. Yeah. But I was just like, oh yeah, like I already, had, you know, especially with the CD shit, with the yeah. CD mix CDs, you already got the playlist. You know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't like it was it wasn't it wasn't gonna break my back to fucking hit record on a CD. Oh, you weren't even designing a specific. Nah. Oh, I had a fucking oh, dope mix CD. Nothing. I was like, yeah, yeah, I got it's it. a dupe. Yeah. You're making her a dupe. Yeah, it's you're making I'm, her a dub. It was my like one of my favorites. So the Oxford English Dictionary. So they add words every year, and everybody gets all excited about it and faux outraged about it. But what flies under the radar is that there is also an Oxford Children's Dictionary. And it's much smaller. It's like one fifteenth the size of the the so they have to be selective about which words they can include. And some critics have taken exception to the words that have been added and removed from the Oxford Children's Dictionary. I'll give you some examples. Um, And I do understand why they do, you know, like I do understand words do become obsolete. I think they, I think they kind of jump the gun with these words. They put a lot of slang words that (laughs) don't, that don't, like I feel like the words got to be around for like eight years for it to be in a fucking for it to not be slang anymore and be part of our everyday vernacular i don't i think all of the words i'm about to tell you about do pass that test like but if they would have been doing this shit 20 years ago then phat fat would be in there you know it probably was briefly it was probably the word of the year in the adult adult dictionary oh my god dude all right what do you got for me okay so uh blog was added to the children's dictionary broadband celebrity celebrity wasn't yes. in there oh yeah it was not a word that i guess was deemed in the top 10,000 words that a kid needed to know until now chat room which do those even still exist that's where Are, i is that's anybody... where i pick up all my kids <laughs> <laughs> is anybody in, yeah. in in chat rooms other than tons than of kids are in chat rooms pedophiles and jihadists <laughs> yeah you just gotta know which ones to go to <laughs> yeah because yeah. you talk about chatter right it's always like nobody talks in in, blo- in in chat rooms it's just it's chatter as in terrorist jihadist yeah. chatter has been detected yes uh cut and paste mp3 player there's still mp3 players well yeah our not for long, is. right? Not for long. Pretty soon, they're just going to be streaming devices. Yeah, I guess. And uh, voicemail, database, broadband—you get the idea. I'm li- I'm okay with all of those. Okay, here are some of the words that were deleted to make way for the aforementioned minnow, ferret, like a baby fish. Yes, is is a minnow a baby fish or is it just a small? Is it just diminutive by nature? Oh, I didn't know that. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Think, I don't think it's the name for a baby fish. It's not like a minnow that grows up into a big fish. <laughs> no, I don't think. No, I don't think, I don't whole, think minnows become tunas. I think my whole minnows remain a lie. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, ferret, acorn, dandelion, fern, mistletoe, newt, nectar, 
pasture and willow. It just shows you where we're going. Well, that's exactly right. You can't help but notice that every single word that was added, um, and it's not that's not an, a complete list, but it's a representative list. The tech words are added. Yes. And the words that are going out. The nature words are gone, which is kind of scary. As we transition from a world of outdoor kids to indoor, indoor kids. kids, perhaps social kids to socially isolated kids i man i was <sighs> like I, I i i don't think it immediately feels wrong until you take a step back and you realize what it, and and i don't blame the dictionary somebody who got no, the, somebody who got angry at the critics said that's like punching a thermometer cuz it's cold outside yeah 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 the, right. the dictionary is just it it's echoing what we are it's a sign of the times yeah, which is which is kind of disturbing. I look, man. I remember, uh, I remember going taking my daughter, you know, which I, you know, who I I didn't raise, and um, she was with me one time, and we went for a walk in the woods, and fuck, dude, she was falling all over the place, and I was like, and she couldn't. I was looking, and I was she like, handle at, the terrain. I was like, at first, I was like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" But then it was just like, I didn't raise you, and whoever you know, the people that did raise you didn't take you. You you didn't go outside, so you're watching someone who didn't go outside try to fucking traverse a goddamn trail and struggle. So she couldn't negotiate. Not walking that, over. Not that well, bro. And it was fucking, it was eye-opening. I was like, God damn. Like, this, that shit is crazy. Like, whoa. So it's entirely possible that the Oxford Children's Dictionary is, is well behind the times. That this has been the reality for... I for, mean, quite some time. Yeah. Um, here are a couple of other words that were omitted from... Um, there have been two new editions of the Oxford Children's Dictionary in, I think, the last 10 years or so. Uh, the word chapel was removed. All right. Mm-hmm. The word saint... Was removed. So they're getting away from the religious shit. The word devil was removed. Damn. And the word sin was removed. That's cool. I'm all right with that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because the devil and sin used to be, you know, joined at the hip. But I think that there are far more people who would who might teach their kids uh, you know, to be morally upstanding individuals and to not commit "quote unquote" sins, then there are people who would say, you know, don't succumb to the temptations of the devil. Yeah, that seem the devil does seem archaic. Sin seems like something that should always be in the culture. Am I crazy? But I, I don't know. When I think of devil, I don't think of the actual devil. I think of like devilish or being a devil. More like uh, what is that? An adjective? Deviled eggs? Yeah. Yes. I th- yeah, I think of it like a, a way to describe somebody. Well, and I wonder if this isn't because it only takes so many... Um, nobody's going to write to a dictionary and go, awesome job, guys. They're only going to write to the dictionary when they take exception to things. And it makes me wonder if there are enough people who don't raise their children, religious nowadays, who would reach out and go, I haven't taught my kids about that. Frankly, I'm not sure I'm ever going to. And your book isn't the place that I should have to start. Plus, Oxford is the British. That's England. Yes, and there's they're they're not they're they're way less religious than we are. They are. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. They opted for a church that is more or less openly acknowledged to be a sham, the Church of England. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. We we need something to do on Sunday morning. Yeah. Right. We we need somewhere to not go on Sunday morning. We'll right, go right, to right. The, Christmas, go. Christmas is weird without the big room with, with the steeple in it. Yeah. Right. So, and this, I think, is, is related, and actually this story um, also is out of the UK, but I don't think this is a UK-only phenomenon. Speaking of kids and technology and isolation, um, uh, the number of people in the UK who report having zero close friends is increasing and has now reached one in eight adults. That's kind of sad, man. Well, I think it's very sad. They must. I wonder. I wonder what's the suicide rate? Has the suicide rate gone up? Well, actually, if you were listening to the first half of this show, um, Jason Silva, the host of this TV show on Nat Geo, was saying that um, suicides now claim more people. I I want to say it worldwide than accidents and maybe even murders. Whoa. Don't quote me on the murder bit, but like uh, maybe maybe wars and accidents. War, I think that's what it was. Wars and accidents now claim uh, less people than suicide. No shit. Yeah. Well, all right then. I guess this makes sense. Mm-hmm. This. <sighs> I can't. I can't imagine not having any fucking close friends. Right. Like, and you, and you, and you are not the warmest person that I know. No, I don't even like leaving the house after work. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. If like you live on the other side of town after work, I'm not mm-hmm. driving over there. But like, I'll just find a, I'll just make a close friend in my neighborhood. Like, yeah. I <sighs> if my kid doesn't have any close friends, like, like we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know? Yo, hey, but like that's. <sighs> That's that goes back to this other thing. I I also noticed online where it's like being a loser's kind of fucking cool. That's getting hot. Yeah, you never seen like fucking these fails, and they're like me in real life, me IRL. Oh, that's so me right now, like tripping and falling or walking into a door. <laughs> that's me. Or fucking can't, up. Can't walk in the woods. Yeah, it's just like. It's this guy. Yeah, me IRL. <laughs> like, me on a Monday. And it's just like, like, when did this shit be cool to be like claiming being a fucking loser? Like, then these are probably the same people that are like online fucking. Right, okay. So maybe these people do have close friends. Maybe they're just bragging. They're just trying to impress us. I don't think they got. I don't think they have real close friends. They might have friends on the internet. They might have like internet buddies, but like as far as like, hey man, mm-hmm. I'm fucked up. Can you come over to the crib? And, yeah. and hang and out I think with that, me. I think that was the. They um, don't got that, right? And I think that was the criterion that they used for this. Is like, do you have somebody that if you were in a situation would be the person you would lean on that you would call? And one out of eight uh, UK adults say the answer is no. They can go to Facebook and be like, guess what happened. And have a bunch of fucking empty ass yeah. fucking right. pictures say, what it's happened? All, it's all Facebook is, is baby pictures and cries for help. It really is, dude. It <laughs> really, and politics. Fuck, it really fucking is. Uh, this, to me, is uh, is sad and bewildering in its own right. I mentioned this briefly on the Jason Ellis Show, but I think it warrants slightly further conversation. You're familiar with Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, he's a he's a singer guy, right? He's the Margaritaville guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Square Grouper. He uh, what's that? I think that was one of his songs. Good for you. Well, I just know it because there's a documentary about weed 
uh, weed smugglers called Square Grouper. Uh, so he has uh, he has franchised and merchandised himself out. He tours all the time. Um, he's got a channel here on Sirius XM, and uh, there's Margaritaville restaurants. I got to get he made he did a lot with a little. Kind of. What just he got the like ones. ten songs or some shit. Like, see, I can name two. I can. Everybody knows Margaritaville, which is a solid song. I'll take nothing away from Margaritaville. It's funny, but it's actually a pretty. It's a pretty good song. Uh, Cheeseburger in Paradise, I think, is the other one. I mean, this guy really. Yeah. Cr- you got to give yes. it to him. His well, hustle is fucking strong. Well, he is taking his hustle to the next level as he has announced. This really seems like an Onion article, but I get this from RollingStone dot com. Uh, Jimmy Buffett has announced plans to open some Margaritaville retirement communities. It's genius. It's genius. Is it? It really is. Who likes fucking Jimmy Buffett? People who are almost dead. Exactly. It's the next step. It's like, okay, all right, man, we got him to go to, I got him to buy the fucking shirt. I got him to go to my fucking, go to my restaurants. Yes. And now now they'll be listening to Cheeseburger in Paradise as we lower them into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And aside from the music, I bet you it's way better than most fucking retirement homes. Why would you say that? I don't know. I just feel like his name's on it, so they're going to make that, it. That means something? Yes. <laughs> 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 there is since, there is, is Jimmy Buffett's name. It's not like Lonely Pines, you know what I mean, or fucking, you so know. So does he tour around these things? Because he'd have to make appearances at all of them and just like pose for photos with guys with like IV bags. And it like smells like mothballs and death in there. Right? That's it's bleak, but I think he's gonna make it. Yo, this is It's just gonna be an awkward contrast when I get I'm just picturing I just picture Margaritaville just playing on a loop and you got that little uh you know do, 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 <laughs> as they're just like rolling corpses down the hall. It'll be a whole give it a whole new meaning to Margaritaville. Did you know that uh a a national chain of Mexican restaurants claims ownership of the phrase Taco Tuesday? And has them. spent the last 10 years sending innumerable, if that's a word, cease and desist letters to everyone in the world who is holding Taco Tuesdays. Fuck them, dude. No way. <laughs> no. There's certain shit that's just in the public conscious that you didn't like come the ship up with. has sailed. Yeah, dog. You were. I guarantee they weren't the first person. I but what if they? But what if they were? But what if they were? At what point does it, like you can't do it? What? So so if one person rips you off, that's a crime. But if 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 ten million people beat you up, it ceases to be a crime. It's it's uh it's one of those. It's we not just even assume like a, that you deserve it at that point. It's not like it's not a crime, but there's certain shit like. The, you know, not to get too political, there's a, there's a bunch of treaties that uh, the Indians signed that the fucking U.S. went back on. Mm-hmm. You're not, it's not you're, you're you're fucked. It's done. It's yeah. a fucking wrap. It's Just over. Take the casino and shut the hell yeah, up. That's right. It's it's a fucking wrap. They're not giving you Montana. It's a fuck. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> like Taco Tuesday is done, bro. Like yeah. it's done. You're not winning this one. No, they're not. You gotta know. Yeah, sometimes you gotta know when you're beat. And I get how long has this place been open? Twenty years? Yeah, a long time. Taco John's, I think, is the name. What if we had tacos they trade, on Tuesday? They trademarked it in nineteen eighty nine. No way, dude. Tacos were tacos were popular before then. I can't. Yes, I can't. We ate them every day of the week. 
Stri- <laughs> uh, we got to go. Jude, that was it. That was it. Easy, easy breezy. Thank you so much, buddy. You Thank know, uh, you. People should uh, steal your book. Um, yeah, uh, hyena. Go steal it or get it off of Amazon, and uh, be on the lookout for hummingbird coming this year. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>